Father, we just come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. We just thank you. We thank you, Father, for a new day. Every day is a gift from our Father. With the God of day and night, with the God of time outside of time, with the God of death and life, Therefore, only you can give life. Only give us life. And we just want to thank you for that, Lord. This morning, as we look into your word, first, then pray. I pray, Lord, you continue speaking to us, continue teaching us, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Speak, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Everything okay? Much activity behind the screens. We turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 6. For though we walk in the flesh, <coughs> we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in readiness, in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. We've been looking at these battles we fight. It's a war. Okay? It's a war. That's what verse 3 says. It's a war. Okay? It's a war. That's good. Yeah. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war. That means we war. And Ephesians 6.12 says, we do not war with flesh and blood. This is a different flesh and that is a different flesh. Okay? Here it's talking about our carnal nature. Though we walk in the body, in the body there is, you cannot put away your flesh. It's there with you. Okay? But we do not war after the flesh. We do not war in that manner like rest of humanity does. We cannot fight in that manner. But remember, we are fighting powers of darkness. So 6.12 and 2 Corinthians 10.3 and Ephesians 6.12 goes hand in hand. It goes hand in hand. The more we see it, the more we understand it. Okay, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Let's go back. Yesterday we had looked at, uh, uh, I didn't give the title. What is the title I told you? Pursuing, right? No. Uh, I just gave the title to Sammy in the morning. I forgot the title. Sammy also forgot titles. So we have two incredible people in your midst. <laughs> one young, one old, both forgetting. Okay, anyway. It is... Uh, Elijah, you see the persistence which he follows. Okay, And if you look at it, there is perseverance, there is endurance, and there is patience. These three things is what will make him win the race. All the others in that picture had the knowledge of what was going to happen, but only one got the crown. And that was because he had patience following him, 
perseverance, he kept following him and he endured all the trials on the way, even on the last day's journey. Okay, He didn't quit even on the last days because the last day was the most difficult, but even because every voice was telling him, stay, don't have to go further, including his mentor's voice. So we saw how, and then when we saw after he became the seer, the next prophet, one of his first acts is that he cleans the water source of a town. Okay, they said, they realize the anointing is upon him and they see he's in Jericho. And the people of the city, they come and say, you know, we have a problem. Our water is corrupted and because of the land is unfruitful. Okay, unfruitful. If our source of life is corrupted, our life will be spiritually barren. So God doesn't try to do any gymnastic with the outside. He changes the source. And the source is of our heart. That's why he says, I will take your heart and give you a new heart. Once the source is changed, then what flows out of it also will be different. And it brings fruitfulness. And what religion does is, religion cannot hand, change the source. Religion. Religion is more like a refrigerator. It can only, it can only, uh, what, contain or for a, for a, what do you call it? Delay the process of corruption. Religion cannot change the source. Religion does not have the power to change the source. It can only delay the process of corruption, depending upon whichever religion you follow. Okay, some religions, uh, all religions at the core of it, there is a lot of good, but they can only delay the process. They cannot stop the process. What can stop the process? You change the source. And once the source is changed, what happens is out of it flows. God says out of the heart. And that's what he told the Samaritan woman. He said, you come to this well, you drink, you'll keep on coming. One day you will grow old. You will not be able to come. Somebody will bring for you. You will drink a little more and one day you will die. On the other hand, if you drink the water that I give you, it will be a stream, a well. Okay. So he took a physical example and changed it and gave her an incredible spiritual lesson. And that's what Elisha does there. What does Elisha do? He goes to the source. He goes to the source and then what does he do? He heals the water at the source and the Bible says, after that what comes out of that river or that spring that overflows into the land becomes little streams. The land becomes fruitful again. Okay, fruitful again. So Jesus talks about the source. The source is the heart. He gives us a new heart and he gives us a new spirit. It's not only he gives a new heart, he has to give us a new spirit. We had the spirit of the world. He gives us the spirit of God. Okay, so he gives us a new heart and a new spirit. But that still is not enough. You need to realize our processing center, the most important processing center is the mind. It's the mind. The mind is a processing center. I can have a new heart and I can have a new spirit and actually go along unchanged because my processing center hasn't changed. Okay? My processing center is my mind. What makes a human a human? It is his mind. Okay? What makes an animal an animal? It is its mind. It's his mind. It's his mind. Man thinks, therefore, it is with his mind he processes everything. And therefore, the mind, honestly speaking, the mind is the 
most important part of our daily being, the most important part is our, our mind. How do you know you woke up? How do you know you woke up? Who told you? You are awake. Your mind told you. Not breathing. You can be sleeping. Do you know you are awake? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, you don't know. It's when your eyes open, immediately your mind started functioning. Because eyes open, ears open, the senses start functioning, your mind starts processing, and, and then you know you are awake. On the other hand, your eyes can be open, and you can be brain dead. Can be brain dead. And your mind is not functioning. That's why we always say the first to go is the mind. First to go is the mind. So the mind, remember, the mind is what makes us who we are. So the first line of defense is the first line of attack. The first line of defense is your mind. So when the Bible is talking about in Corinthians, it is talking about the mind. This is the battle that is taking place. Okay, This is the battle that is taking place. There is a war going on. There is a war going on for our mind. And when we were born again, God gave us a new heart, a new spirit, and positionally he gave us a new mind too. New mind. It is there, but it has to change. When you are born again, you were born again, I was born again to win this war. We were never meant to lose this war. We are born again to win. Never meant to lose. But to win, the only way you and I will win is we win in the mind. If you lose in the mind, we lose in the mind, in the, in, in the, in the rest of our life. If you win in our mind, we will win outside too. Because this is a spiritual battle. This is not a physical battle. Physically, it does not matter what people say. The question is, spiritually, have you won or not? Like the cross seems to be the greatest defeat in the eyes of the religious man. But it's the greatest victory in the spiritual realm. If only the religious man has any clue what happened on the cross. The religious man, if he's unsaid, he will say, I also want to be crucified. If that is what he does. And God says, your death will make no difference. You just die to yourself. Okay? So, the Bible says, we do not war after the flesh. So the first battle, the first line of defense like I said is also the first line of offense is the mind. And the thing is that once you're born again you're born again by the seed of God which is the word of God and by the spirit of God. Hypothetically speaking you are incapable of losing. Incapable of Because God never loses. God is a man of war. He has never lost. And spiritually speaking, you have never lost. What you have lost is because you function in the old mind. The new mind has never lost. It cannot lose. The mind of God cannot lose. Why do we lose? Because we function by the old mind. Okay. And people say, you are a Christian, how can you do that? The problem is you are not the Christian who is doing that. It is the old fellow that is doing that. The Christian can never lose. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why we, we make fun of all the FMs, but the problem is that all, everybody has altars, the old man and the new man. Okay, everybody has a split this thing. I'll give you the words. Yeah, 1 John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. What does the Bible actually say? And this is true. 
whoever has been born of God does not sin. For his seed remains in him. He cannot sin because he has been born of God. The person inside you that is born of God never sins. This is the other argument they use for once saved, always saved. That if you are actually genuinely saved, you are saved because you cannot sin. You cannot sin. It's impossible for that person inside you born of God to sin. You sin because you ignore his voice. Ignore because you don't give him command and control. The other fellow. Okay, so you cannot sin. And in the same process, 1 John chapter 5 verse 4, that same person, if he's given command and control, that mind is, you are of God, little children, has overcome them because he who, no, 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 5, 4, 5, 4, not 4, 4. He is great in you, that is good. Whoever is born of God overcomes the world. The new man is never defeated by the world. It is impossible for the world to defeat him. Then the world defeated Christ. Okay. If the world did not defeat Christ, the world cannot defeat you and me, the new man, not the old man. The old man is already defeated. He is in cahoots with the world. Okay. This is the victory that has come, overcome the world, our faith. Why does it mean? Because the new man only walks by faith. The old man walks only by sight. Or try to mix both. Mix both. The old man will try all kinds of tricks. Because the devil will never come and tell you a blatant lie. The devil will have to come and say, come, worship me. I'll give you all in this life and after that let me tell you the truth. I will take you to the lake of fire. We are all going there. You will burn for eternity. Nobody will believe him. Nobody will believe him. So what does he say? I will give you everything you want. And then after that, you know what? We will all be the same. Ascended masters. That's what the lie they say. We are all the same. Or you will go into maya. Just into the divine unconscious, you will disappear like a drop into the ocean. You lose. All that is a good escapism, but that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. Nobody escapes into divine unconsciousness. You will be alive much more than here, there. Every <laughs> faculty which was hidden there will be revealed there. It will be infinite. Your soul is infinite. What you did not feel here, you will feel there. Because all restrictions are taken off. That's where math comes in. <laughs> <laughs> That's where math comes in. Infinity comes in over there. So don't believe all these lies. The truth is this. The new person who is born of God cannot sin. He always overcomes the world. He always defeats the devil. That's the truth. That is the truth. But the thing is that, that's what Second Corinthians 2.14 says. What does the Bible say? The new man is only led by Christ. Because his life is the life of Christ. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. In Christ. The new man is in Christ. The old man is outside. Please remember that. The old man is in the world. The new man is in Christ. The new man is always led in triumph. Not sometimes. Few times. Most of the times. Always. Meaning it's impossible for the devil to defeat the new man. It is not possible for him to defeat the new man. He cannot defeat the new man. That's why we get all these daily readings from the underground churches. You look at them, you can put them in any situation. If they allow the new man to manifest, they are victorious. You can put them in any horrendous conditions. They are victorious. They are victorious. That is the key. Because this is a Christmas message. This is what Christmas is about. For this purpose, the Son of Man came 
to destroy the works. And one of the biggest works of the devil is the lie and the deception he feeds into our mind. That is our first line of defense, is the first line of offense. If you win there, you'll win everywhere else. Okay, so he takes us always, always, always. So in this war, God's battle plan is for his children is victory. Always. No defeat. So when we sing that sing, I never know defeat. It's true for the new man. It is true. And absolutely false for the old man. He knows only defeat. But he turns defeat into victory and pretends his victory is when he's defeated. That's the old man's nature because it's after the old man. That's after the devil because he's a liar, a murderer, a thief, an accuser, slanderer. Enjoy your names, okay, devil, if you are listening. These are your names. Thief, liar, accuser, slanderer, murderer, deceiver. Oh, he's got such incredible names, right? So our enemy is not flesh and blood. But our enemy are powers of darkness, even in our mind. That is what we are fighting. First, you need to realize, what are we fighting? Where are we fighting? First, we need to. It's in the spiritual realm. They are in the spiritual realm, the heavenly realm. It's a, it's a realm. People always ask me when I am teaching this from how many places. Please explain realm. Uh, it's, realm is not necessarily material. It's not me. Like, let me tell you. Explain to me the internet. I mean, how do you explain the internet? Ah, then with digits, digits. I mean, we don't even understand that. But is internet real? Can you touch the internet? No. no. It's a realm. In the same way, your mind is a realm. The minute you cross your body and enter into your soul, it becomes a realm. You cannot touch it. You cannot feel it. You go further in there, you come to the spiritual realm. Spirit, it is another realm. So if you want to look at it, your body is the first world, the physical. Your soul is the second heaven where the battle takes place. And the spirit is where God is. The devil doesn't tackle there too much. He can only try to enter through the soul there and mess it up. But usually it's very difficult for him to reach if you handle the soul. If you handle your soul, your spirit will remain untouched. Jesus was absolutely untouched in the spirit because he kept his soul victorious. His soul victorious. The soul is like the second heaven, the Satan's realm. Okay? And that is where the battle takes place. That takes place. And if he wins in the soul realm, it will manifest in the body. If he loses in the second realm, the soul realm, your mind, ultimately your mind, will, emotions, it will manifest in the in the body. So you have to look. What does the devil do day and night? From the time you're, like today, I just woke up and crossed four o'clock today. I woke up after four. Okay, the first thing is that you already lost time. First thing is that, you know, this fellow fooled me to sleep 30 minutes extra. 30 minutes is gone. You can't get it back. 30 minutes is 30 minutes. In eternity, you will realize 30 minutes on earth really mattered. Oh, 30 minutes is gone. Why did I wake up late? Okay, so rushed out. So what I am talking about, the minute your eyes open, your senses are functional, what happens? Your mind starts functioning and the battle begins. Face in the book or Facebook? For many people in US, the battle begins. What do I see first? My book guides my life 
or my Facebook to see what my friends have posted, commented about my yesterday's post. I think we are. There. <laughs> we we don't have Facebook. We post nothing. No, you see, this is how the mind works. The mind starts. The battle begins. The devil infiltrates our thought life. Our thought life. Devil infiltrates our thought life. It can be through flesh and blood. It's often through flesh and blood. It starts infiltrating. He starts infiltrating our thought life. But you have to go to the source if you want to win it. That's what Jesus looked at Peter. Peter thought he was looking at him, but he was not speaking to Peter. He was speaking to the powers of darkness who was speaking through Peter and said, get thee behind Satan. He know he knew who put such a nice, comforting thought into loving thought into Peter's mind. He says, "I can see through you." He's not he's not rebuking Peter. He's rebuking the enemy who put the thought into Peter. And God can put a thought into your mind, which is revelation. And God, enemy can put a thought into your mind. A little earlier, God put the thought into Peter's mind. Who are you? You are Christ, the Anointed One. His flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. It is my father. So God put that into his mind. We call it revelation. The devil also can put it into your mind. And people go out and succeed and they call it, I revealed. The devil also gives you revelation of what material things. Because he was created with wisdom. If he did not reveal, people would not go to the lodges. And become successful outside. And then they get destroyed destroyed. Because he has power to reveal a lot of stuff because he was God gave him. It is not his, it is God's. He's the original middleman. He has nothing of his own. Everything he has, God gave him. But God made him perfect in wisdom. So he has incredible knowledge. Not the knowledge of God, like like God, but he has incredible knowledge. So you know what? The devil can put thoughts into your mind. God can put thoughts into your mind. So that is where the infiltration begins. And we have to be very, very careful. That's why we meditate upon the word day and night. And that is called truth. The word of God is called truth. And we need the spirit. Once you have spirit and truth, you'll be able to discern where your thoughts are coming from. That's why Jesus was talking about a time is coming. And it is here. True worshippers will worship in spirit and in truth. Because what is worship? Worship is your lifestyle. It is not what we do 20 minutes, 30 minutes before service. No. Worship is how a child of God lives. And the worship's root word is worth-ship. Meaning you are saying, you are worthy for me to live this way. That's basically what you are saying. You're worthy for me to live this way. And in the old medieval customs, when the sovereign or the monarch came, they bent on their knees and the thing meaning your worthship. That's what it means. So basically by your life you are saying, you are worth for me to live this way. That's your worship. And God says, you know what? You know when you're worth living this way? When you have truth and when you have spirit. Then you will have discernment. That's not from me. That's not from me. That's from the enemy. And you will always... So it's You will not lose in the mind. You will not lose in the mind. That's why we give so much importance to the teaching of the word of God so that the truth becomes the way you think. Think. Remember we had seen God is truth. Jesus is truth. Holy Spirit is truth. Word is truth. 
and the church is meant to be the pillar of truth. Why is the chaos we see in the 2020 or in this 21st century? Because the church stopped being the pillar of truth because the enemy brought in lies. The mix, the minute, the problem is the minute you mix a lie to the truth, it will not work. God will not stand witness to it. It may work in the world, but God will not stand witness to it. For God to stand witness to anything, it has to be 100% true because it's a testimony of who he is. Who he is. And the church ceased being the pillar of truth and the society around it collapsed. And we see the greatest collapse, not in the Muslim world, not in the Hindu world, not in the Buddhist world, in the Christian world. Why? Christianity had access to the truth. The others did not. Did not have access to truth. They had different truths, but they did not have access to truth as God has truth. Christianity had the truth because Jesus came and said, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So, Christianity. So, when the church stopped being coming the pillar of truth, the society that was formed around that pillar fell apart. It just fell apart because pillar is something that holds you up. Holds you up. That's why he tells to the church if I bride in Philadelphia, because you held on to my word and did not demand my name and persevered through it, I will make you a pillar. Because I saw in difficult times, you did not abandon my truth. You were the truth. If a remnant comes through the last days, he said, it's only because of Philadelphia you came through. Is it breaking? Net? No, okay, okay. Please let me know. Then I will uh, stop till you get it back, okay? So in the, he said, why did Philadelphia come through? It's because they held on to the truth. And God says, because of that, I will make you a pillar in eternity. Okay? Not that you will end up all as pillars, but symbolically understand that, you know? I mean, God also will use examples, no? So in eternity, he will say that one. Look at that one. Uh, daddy, daddy, all these children of God, millions and billions. Daddy, daddy, what should I say? That one. Just follow him. Because he was a pillar on earth. You can follow him. And you can follow him. You can follow him. Daddy will say. Okay? You can follow him. You'll have children. Children. Because he's not. He was a, he's a pillar. He's a pillar. Daddy will, that's what dad does. That's that. That's like when my father dropped me when I was eight or nine or ten years or eleven years old in Kerala. And he just left a week later. But before he left, he told me, listen to your eldest brother. Follow him. Okay? Because my eldest brother was there. He said, follow him. Okay? Listen to him. I'm not there. He's there. So daddy will have many, many pillars in eternity. Pillars in eternity. And even in the new, in the Bible, he talks about Noah, Job, Daniel. He said, these are pillars of righteousness. Time tested. Hundreds and hundreds of years under the incredible pressure. They stood there without Bucking, buckling under the pressure to compromise to the truth. So he said, these are pillars. Okay, so that's what God is talking about. So now come to the, come to the, by the way, those who are listening to today's message, okay, because around the world they want teaching, and I'm on to teaching, and we will pray too. But we'll teach during these days, whenever we get opportunities. So we go back to Second uh, Corinthians, that portion we looked at. No, no, no. Ten, ten, ten. Yeah. Ten. Yeah, come down further. Five. Pulling down. 
casting down imaginations. Every high thing that is a stronghold that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God, like think about a Plato. Okay? The knowledge of God is like that. It is level. Okay? You see. And then you have a stronghold that comes up. Now the stronghold has gone above the knowledge. It, it ref- defies the knowledge of God. It it refuses the knowledge of God. It all happens in the mind. Imagination, stronghold, and captivity, every thought. Okay, so there are three things what the devil does. First is imagination. Then he perverts or suppresses the knowledge of God. And transposes it with false knowledge. And then there is our thought life. First, he goes after your imagination. Okay, he goes after your imagination. He perverts your imagination. Imagination is important. Very, very important. Imagination. God also speaks to our imagination. Devil also speaks to our imaginations. Okay? Because if you can control your imagination, he can control your thinking. I still remember my class 11. <laughs> the, the teacher comes and says, imagine this is a test tube. And we are all trying to imagine that this is a test tube. If you haven't seen a test tube, you cannot imagine this is a test tube. But if you have seen a test tube, you can imagine this is a test tube. It's no longer a pen. This is a test tube. And then he continues his class during theory instead of in the lab. Okay? So imagine is a common word used in classrooms. Imagine. And English especially is full, literature is full of imagination. Okay? So what are we doing? Are you teaching today? No, you are writing today. What? Im- take your notebooks, yes. Write an essay saying, imagine my father gave me 10,000 rupees. What you will do? Immediately imagination runs wild. It's not, no, not mild. It's wild. Okay. Imagination. Okay, imagination. He goes after imagination. If he can catch our imagination, he can corrupt our thinking. Okay, if he can catch our imagination, he can corrupt our thinking. Okay, that's why he goes after imagination. Look at how he corrupts. Again, Second Corinthians chapter 11. Okay. Oh, that you would Bear with me in a little folly. Indeed, you do bear with me, for I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin. That is it. You know what? You need to realize, chastity doesn't begin in the body. Chastity begins in the mind. Chastity. You know? If you lose your chastity in your mind, you will lose it in your body. It's as simple as that. Okay? So, first we have to protect our children that their minds are chaste. If you consistently teach them about the holiness of the body in the mind, then they will preserve it in the outside when they go. But if you corrupt their minds first, they will corrupt their bodies too. And the entire world system is saturated with programs that is corrupting the mind with sex, with sorcery, with drugs, and with violence. 24-7. And no PG rating and all is irrelevant. No rating is irrelevant today. No rating. So what do you know? You lose it in your mind first. 
That's what he's talking about. I want to present you as a chaste, a pure virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunningness, craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted. Okay, his whole idea. Okay, I want to present you as a chaste virgin. He's not talking primarily first of the body. He's talking about your mind, pure mind. I want to make your minds pure. It was corrupted. You came as corrupted. And God has given you his spirit, his word, his son. And now I want to change your thinking. If your minds can be corrupted, your bodies will be corrupted. Will be corrupted. Okay. If your mind is pure, your body cannot be corrupted. Your body can only be raped. It cannot be corrupted. Cannot be corrupted. Cannot be corrupted. There is various forms of Ramayana. In one of the South Indian form of Ramayana, there is a question that is asked to Sita. Did Ravana have sex with you? She says, I do not know. Because my mind was always fixed on Rama. She says, I don't know. In my mind, I have seen, I have only picture of my husband. Only the picture of husband. Okay. And when the demons seduce Lakshman to leave Sita to go after that damsel that was crying. Rama, that is how Sita is taken by Ravan. This demon comes in as a deer or something and cries and Sita says, go, 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 help, go, help. I think, I, I'm not sure. I think she says, it's Rama in trouble. And he says, no, Rama told me not to leave you alone. Rama, my brother told you, this is his sister-in-law, not to leave you alone. And then Sita starts getting angry and abusing. And she starts telling him, maybe you are lusting after me. You want your brother to die. She says something to that effect. And he says, sister, I have seen nothing of yours except your feet in my life. I never raise my eyes above your feet. You have to understand the depth of our Indian scriptures. Because this is a holy man who actually was seeking righteousness, but they stopped. They stopped. Okay, that is why you have to understand, unlike any other culture, the Indian culture was a very tolerant culture to any form of religion that sought righteousness. It was a very tolerant religion, because Indian religion is like Seeking righteousness. We are not talking about the demonic part of it. That came in later. But the actual part of it, the scriptures of it, the Vedas of it, was all a pursuit of righteousness. So we are looking at here and God is saying, you know what the devil does? He corrupts your mind. Once he's corrupted your mind, your body is gone. Your body is like this computer. But if the software is corrupted, it's gone. Your computer is gone. And we don't even understand, people like me doesn't even understand, how can somebody introduce malware into the software and your hardware goes? We don't even understand. But we understand now spiritually, right? All these dominion machines and everything, they are trying to put in malware to remove everything off. And how does it all come through the internet? But can I feel the internet? No. It is like the air. That's why the devil is called Beelzebub, this lord of the air. He puts malware into your thinking, corrupts your thinking. A little later, you corrupt your body. Before you know, you're sitting there, discouraged, depressed, miserable, because it's gone here. It's gone here. This is how he battles. 
So if you win in your ba- mind, you win outside. If you lose in your mind, it does not matter. The law may be there creating restrictions for you to not to do a lot of things in your body, but God says you are fallen. But I didn't do it, he says. That's why he says, if you look at a woman with lust, you have already, but I didn't do this because you didn't have a chance. That's all. <laughs> the software is already corrupted. It's already corrupted. But I didn't do it. God says, it's true, you didn't do it. You know why? Because I saw you did not have the opportunity. I put a wall around it. It's not because of you. You would have done it. You would have done it. If the opportunity had been presented to you, there was nothing stopping you from doing it because you had already lost it in your mind. Understand how the battle belongs? This is what God is talking about. So the devil knows if he can get your imagination, he can corrupt your mind. God also knows if he can get your imagination, he can change your thinking. So the first line of defense also is the first line of attack. Go to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. Again, it's the same thing. Craftiness. That's why it is in the serpent was more cunning or crafty. More cunning. Very crafty. So he's very careful about how he introduces subjects. He's very, very careful. So he does not come and says, you know what? Hey, you're looking at that. You can eat it. Nothing will happen to you. He didn't say that. He says, ask God. That's how he begins. Okay? A thought he begins. And now we don't need to know that whether he really spoke or how did he speak? We do not know. Did he really come and speak? Did like Narnia of C.S. Lewis, did animals all speak? Maybe they did before the fall. We do not know. So did the serpent speak? We do not know. If he actually spoke and then uh, animals spoke. How do you know? Because she was not surprised. She was not surprised. She did so, oh, snake is speaking. She didn't say anything. Talk naturally. No. Talked naturally, you know. So, because the Bible says the Lord brought the animals to Abraham and told Abraham to, I'm sorry, Adam to name the animals. So, it seems like there was some level of communication maybe the animals had before the fall, before the fall, which was taken away. Because the last thing God wanted was a wicked fallen man and the wicked fallen animals talk together and create more trouble. So, he took their speech off. Okay. I, I, Presume that's what happened because God didn't want two more headaches, too many headaches for us, not for him, <laughs> for us. Imagine all the animals speak and all of creation has fallen because when the king fell, the subjects fell. And a crooked lion and a wicked wolf and the evil man getting together and planning how to plot. Think about it. Even without them talking and thinking, we used all this for war. Every dog, every horse, every elephant, everything was used. Okay? Everything was used. Okay? Okay, it's that. Okay, leave him alone. Yeah. So think about it. Imagination. No. A poor man has come with his horse. Oh, sorry, his cow. (laughs) Poor man. Don't worry. I honestly telling you, for all the people in different religions, I love, I like, not love. I love everybody. I like Buddhists and Hindus best. The good ones. So they're very tolerant. They're very tolerant. Simply they do not. They're very tolerant and there is a pursuit of righteousness in them. 
no and the jews and the muslims the problem is the law the law makes them very very harsh the law makes them harsh it does not lead them to christ it doesn't lead them to christ but buddhism and hinduism they're very very tolerant and very good hindu and buddhist and muslim friends too okay so please understand this so this is how he begins and go to verse 5 verse 5 we we know the whole process look at what he says god knows that in the day you eat of it your eyes will be opened and you will be like god what is it affecting her imagination ah oh, i'll be like god i'll be like god he was sitting it you mean i can come and go like him i don't know where he comes from he just comes he walks with us talks with us and then he's gone and i know he's different i know when he comes the aura i know when he comes you know probably the eyes are open and you know when every time jesus comes there is this angelic host around him there is shakina glory around you mean i can be like him that's imagination no it's out of imagination we created everything movies are all imagination imagination you know what's the first thing is affecting her imagination every advertisement is aimed at our imagination you know what every advertisement is basically aimed at you can be a little more like god you know if you have iphone 12 a little more different than the others every advertisement is aimed on the first advertisement it is this in that day your eyes will be opened your eyes will be opened do you know what they are keeping away from? do you know what god is keeping from you to really know what life is re yaar this is life isn't that how everything is sold imagination but remember imagination in itself is neutral it's neutral like everything god has created is neutral if you bring god into it imagination becomes righteous if the devil comes into it it becomes unrighteous or evil okay but do you know what he did what he actually said the next verse is that if you eat you will surely not die basically what did he say basically what he said if you disobey god look at it we have to look at what he was telling if you disobey god there are no consequences that's what he's saying if you disobey god there are no consequences and he's lying because he he has disobeyed god and he knows his consequences and he's telling absolute blade he can't tell that in the beginning if he comes and says okay the tree is good it is really good if you eat your eyes will be opened you will be actually you will be able to think a lot like god all that is true but you know what you will die because you know what i died he won't tell you that that is where the lie comes much of what he said is true but what he did not tell us is what kills us that's why you always say in english read the small print most people don't read the small print except a few 
like Looney Tunes, not Looney Tunes, I should not use, like me. Any medicine, this thing, I come and read that, go on to Google and say after effects, everything, <laughs> look at it. Because you realize, okay, one course, that is enough, you're not getting into it because the blue, the small print, he didn't tell that. Okay, he told. So what did he actually do with his life? What did he do? He changed the image of God in our imagination. That's what he does always. He changes the image. Image, imagination. Imagination, image. Through affecting our imagination, he changed the image of God. You know what he made God? He made God look like a very narrow-minded, insecure person. You know what? God actually is very insecure. He doesn't want to share a lot of things with you. You see, I am not like God. I want to share everything with you. I really want to share my wisdom, my beauty, my power, my riches, my glory with you. All you have to do is just worship me. That's all. Nothing else. See, he's very insecure. You can worship him as much as you want, but he will not give you what you want. You worship me, I will give you what you want. He's very insecure. He's a very narrow-minded person. Through our imagination... He changed the image of God. And I'm telling you, most Christians think the same way about God. That is very narrow-minded. And he's a joy killer. He's a party pooper. That's what God is. Okay? Narrow-minded. He has sold it over and over and over again. Okay? And the second part he sells is that, you know what? Okay, he's narrow-minded, but to the Christians, to the Christians, the believing Christians. He's narrow-minded, but you know what? I cannot deny the fact because you believe now. He loves you. Loves you. I cannot deny the fact because you believe. But I will tell you, because he loves you, even if you sin, he understands. He doesn't like it. He's still narrow-minded about these things, but he understands. So you can be a little broad-minded, even though he's narrow-minded, he understands. He will tolerate it. You know how subtly he sells these things. This is how he affects our imagination. If he cannot affect our imagination, he cannot take our thought life. He first affects our imagination. That's how he came and affected their imagination. Okay, He's very narrow-minded. He's a very insecure person. God is very insecure. Actually, he's the most secure person. The most insecure person is the devil. You see, God has only one way of sex. Thousand ways to offer him. But don't listen to him, okay? He will call it perversion. He will call it sin. He will give it different names. But I tell you, he's very narrow-minded. He's going to do one way. He's marriage a bit. Keeps talking about it. No? But I'm telling you, I have different ways. And he will also say, keep the marriage bed holy, honorable. He's very, very narrow-minded. He's a joy killer. Even that pleasure from sex, you know, he wants to take it away. He gives something and then he takes it off with the left hand. He will say one thing and bring 15 rules. You see, he's very narrow-minded. He says, one way, I have a thousand ways. Look at me. How he sells the imagination. You know, with this God, he has only one way of dressing. It's not power dressing, it's modesty. One way of dressing. With me, you know what? 
I can give you various styles of dressings. So many ways to dress. God has only one way of dressing, which is called modesty. It's very narrow-minded. That's why in the church, he sells immodesty by saying God understands. You know, with God, he has only one way of entertainment, whether it's music or movies. What is it called? Holy. Boring. Really want to listen to those music? You really want to listen, watch those movies? You know what? I told you he's very narrow-minded. He's a joy killer. But, you know, entertainment, my side. Boy, don't you enjoy it? Don't you enjoy my entertainment? Doesn't make your heart pound and your head these decibels? Head explodes? Do you understand how he sells? Into your imagination. He's, he's, he has only one way of living. What is it? Righteous. What a boring life. Same thing over and over and over and over. What a boring life. I offer you variety. It doesn't call it unrighteous. Variety. This is the battle first. Once it catches our imagination. What happens? It starts taking over your thought life. I wonder what it feels like. I wonder. Okay, wonder. Just like me. I was in this small little village, not really, small little town in my grandfather's house. Came from Bhutan. A landlocked country too. A landlocked house. My brothers are all in the city. And they are all in the boarding school. City bred. I am in the little town. And every Christmas they come. And when they come during Christmas, guess what they talk? Movies. And here I am after. Please, no, please, no. I had a tough father and a tougher grandfather. No movies. No movies, no TV, nothing. No no TV in those. TV was not even there in India then, okay? So what is the... Please tell every night, best during them. Tell the story, no, tell the story. No. So every day, this evening, ten days, they come ten days. I'll get to hear ten movie stories. Imagination. I wish. I wish. I wish. I wish I could go. I wish I could go. I wish I could go. That's what I did. When finally I was let loose from that cage and went to Tivandrum on my own every week. Head for movies. Because what I heard became reality. First it is your imagination. It captures your thoughts. That's how he sells it. That's how he sells it. Boys sit together and says, Acha, have you had a drink? No. Boy, you don't know what you're missing. You have to take a bag. Try it. No. Dad and mom said never. They will not know. You don't have to go and tell them. Just once. Try it. They sell it. They sell it so well. And now it is no longer alcohol. is pitchy now. Nothing. It is drugs. Drugs. What have you trying? Grass. Grass. <laughs> what grass? Where cow or what? Having grass these days. Now these days you should have try cocaine. It goes higher and higher and higher. Now cocaine also is my fentanyl. It's a problem. The devil sells it. But you don't take it the first time. 
it gets into your imagination, listening to the ones who have taken it. Taken. That's how everything is sold. Once he has caught your imagination, he gets into your thoughts. It occupies your mind. Gets into your thought life. Once it gets into your thought life, and then you practice it. Your thought life, you practice it. It becomes a stronghold. Now you have erected a stronghold, if you like, above the knowledge of God. Then somebody comes and tells you, says, it's not true. It's not true. Yeah, I understand God said it, but God understands what I am going through. He will forgive me at the end. Now you use portions of scripture to buttress the stronghold of lies. That's why I say lie cannot exist on its own in a believer's life. You need truth. That's why the devil never comes and sells us a lie. He mixes it with truth. Now once you are, because the other part is there, the guilt part. So you'll come and say, God understands. And look at all these people in the Old Testament. They never overcame. What are you struggling with? He will not show you scripture in this thing that grace overcomes. He will never try to tell you you can get out. Get out. He doesn't want you to get out. Because he's got a toe hold in, in your life. But the truth is you can get out. You can break free. And you can come out. That is the first battle Israel has to battle. They're not battling I. They're not battling in the plains. They're not battling in the valleys or in the mountains. The first is a fortress. A stronghold. Jericho is shut in. Nobody can come in. Nobody can get out. That's Jericho. Look at the 6th chapter 1. If I'm right. Chapter 1. Uh, chapter 6. Verse 1. Joshua 6. one. Jericho was securely shut up. Because the children of Israel. None went out. None came in. You know, once strongholds are established in your mind, the word of God skirts around it. You do not allow the word of God to enter that area. Don't touch me there. You tune the preacher off. You tune the preacher off. Nor will you allow that wrong thought to come out and be exposed and to be dismissed and to be taken on. It is a stronghold established over there. You don't. A lot of people leave the church. You know why? Because the strongholds were attacked and they got offended. They got offended. I'm not talking about church. I'm talking about people who generally leave the church. They get offended. You know, Wives, submit your husbands as unto the Lord. You have no clue what my husband is like. They won't say it. They look at you. You don't have no clue. And then you keep preaching that. You know what they? The stronghold is. You know what thing? I am never going to submit to my Husband, period. They try to tune you off for a few weeks, a few months, and after that they walk away. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. No, you must be kidding me. But it's got nothing to the person you are married to. This is the truth. The truth doesn't change for you or anybody. And doesn't matter how difficult the other person is, your wife or your husband. The grace of God enables you to do that. I don't want to hear that. The stronghold is established. It's established. Established. I'm just giving you an example, but all these other examples, you know, stronghold. So you know what? Unless these strongholds are demolished, demolished, 
we will not be able to progress further. I will tell you one of the most difficult strongholds I have found. Especially when ministering to people who come from the western culture, so much, not so much Indian in my experience, is um, God is your father, he loves you. Boom. Because they have gone through so much abuse from the father. It's a stronghold established. Stronghold established. And you have to skirt through it. First experience Jesus as your savior who loves you. And then once he come through that, experience Jesus as your father. First experience him as your savior. He came to show us the real father. There are messed up fathers all around the world. But that's not who God is. So you the strongholds are established in our minds. Once those strongholds are established, you know, so imagination takes over thought life, establishes a stronghold, and these are the wars. And the devil does it because what? That's his job. He's a liar. He's an accuser. He's a slanderer. Okay, it's a slanderer. Okay, let's say I keep telling people, you know, I keep telling people, you know what? Hey, Dr. Richard is such a nice doctor. He's very good, efficient, but he lies. That's the way the devil does things. He never will take a blatant thing. He said, no, Mephisabeth. He said, anybody from the household of Saul? Yes, one. Who said Mephisabeth? But he said, he's lame. After that, your mind is fixed on that lame. He's lame. Okay. If David had not been a righteous man and a godly man, you would be thinking, what can I do with a lame man? Even though he's a son of a king. What can I do with a lame man? I am a king. I should go to war. I should take soldiers. How can I take a lame man to war? A useless fellow. Leave him alone. Why? Everything else was forgotten. What is that? He's the son of a king. He's forgotten. His bloodline is different. His heritage is different. His upbringing is different. He's lame. Now what happens if I say about that? You know what? People forget everything about him. You know what they will think? They will think. And then they say, Dr. Richard will say, okay, be careful about him. Okay, because he lies. This is what the devil does. That is why God hates slander. He calls them the children of the devil. Children of the devil. Children of the devil. And that's what he does. That's what he does. And that's what the Pharisees did. They were slandering Jesus to see that people did not listen to his message. They slandered him. They called him names. Beelzebub of the devil. You're doing it because of the devil. Who knows who your father is? We heard stories about your parentage. They slandered him, left, right, and center. He's a wine beaver. He's a drunkard. He's a glutton. I mean, we don't understand Jewish culture. These are terrible names to give in the kosher Jewish. You are in the Jewish clergy. You are a glutton. You are a drunk. You are a you are a drunkard. Your parentage is not known, and you are working with the power of Satan. You are finished in ministry. You are dead. You are finished. You're good for nothing in Jewish ministry. Okay, you're finished. And that's what they did. And that's what the devil does. And God says, don't do the work of the devil. But it is true. God said, I didn't ask you whether it is true or not. Do you know the truth? Do you know the truth? Okay, that's why when these things are so important, God says, without the presence of two or three witnesses, meaning these people have to give first-hand evidence. I was there, and I saw it. And you to be, then they have to be questioned. 
What did you see? Sometimes under questioning what you saw and what happened were two different things. It was your imagination. I always use that example. Remember I used to say, you know, uh, Ma bakes cakes. Okay, so Ma wants to bake cake. And he said, Sammy, I need uh, uh, some wine or whatever. Okay, so Sammy is standing before whatever Krishna wine shop. There's a crowd over there. And somebody sees, you know, Sammy drinks. And he's so active in the church. <laughs> Pastor trusts him. Nobody knows what he is. He's a drunkard. Why? Because in the night I saw him standing in the light. Did you ask? So that is your witness. Oh, I heard you. Come here. I heard you. I heard you You repeating that Sami is a drunkard. Have you seen him drink? No. Questioning. Have you ever seen him drink? No. Have you seen him with a bottle? No. Then how did you? I saw him standing outside a wine shop. Do you wait until he reached the line? No. Maybe he went to exchange the 2,000 rupees for change. How would you know what he bought? Everybody who goes to the petrol bank goes for petrol or some many people go to change, get change. Because there are places where you get change. One is a wine shop, the other is a petrol bank. Where you are till, did you see till the end of the line? No. Okay, now they tell me, which day did you see? On this thing. And I called my wife and said, did you see Samir the wine shop? Because I know you use these things in different things. She said, I did. I said, let me tell you the truth. This is what he went for. Now, do you have the guts to go and tell him, I'm sorry, forgive me? No. 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 This is how the devil creates damage. And now it's so easy to create damage because anything can be created on the net. Trump can be made to speak like Biden. Biden can be made to speak like Trump. Anything is possible. Photoshopping, voice, this thing, you know. You know, to all the people, our people, these guys made my voice modulation and sent the messages, me preaching filth. If they didn't know me, they would believe it. This is Pastor James <laughs> speaking this. Anything is possible. With computers, anything is possible. I mean, yesterday we had a glorious event of Peter singing in Telugu. With Nigerian accent. But if you have software, you can change it and make Peter sing in Telugu with Telugu accent. Andhra, Telangana, any accent, we can make him sing. Today, all things are possible today with technology. So, do you know the amount of damage the devil does? Devil does. How do you know the truth? By the Spirit of God. That's why God's, when God says, don't judge. So you don't judge. And scripture says he will not judge by what he sees or what he hears, but in right. How do you judge by righteousness? First thing the Spirit of God will ask you is the first question is not whether it is true or not. When you ask, Lord, is it true or not? The answer you get is, is it your business or not? <laughs> That's why people don't ask the Holy Spirit. The first question you ask, Lord, is this true or not? God says, is that your business or not? Because God allows you to judge only where you have authority. Where you have no authority, he does not give you the right to judge. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Like the election in US, can it be judged by the people? Yes, they voted. So it is their God-given right to judge whether it is genuine or a fraud. Because my vote should count. So they have the right to judge. Judge the question, the right to protest. That's a You have to look how it works. Authority works. This is how it works. That's what God is talking about. 
God also uses imagination. Oh, wow, he uses imagination. And he uses imagination on both sides. That's why Jesus speaks more about hell than about heaven. Question, has anybody gone to hell and come back? No. So he says, you imagination. You know what, something? There the fire never goes out. You know what? The worms never die. Have you ever been to a grave? Have you ever seen a putrefying body? Yes. What do you do? See, worms all over. And you say, yesterday it was a dog running around. Two days later, it is finishing. It's getting lesser. And the worms, the worms. He says, you know what? Let me tell you. Imagine life without me. I want you to imagine life without me. This is life without me. Fire never goes out. Don't believe the lie. You will come back again. No. Nobody comes back. It's appointed unto man to die once and after that is judgment. Don't believe the lie. The devil is a liar. He will try to sell so many products under the same name. What is that? After death there is no judgment. So you will sell many products. One is transmigration of souls. You will come back. He says nobody has ever come back. Nobody ever comes back. Tell me one person who has come back. No, that one spoke about that. That was the demon that was in the earlier one who got into the next one and spoke. Otherwise, everybody should be able to. If something is true, it is true for everybody. You cannot have, say, this Lama or that one. It's a handful. What has happened? The spirit that was in the earlier Lama, when he died, came upon a child in a village and the child said, this is what all the Lama did and everybody consecrates him as the next Lama. That is the spirit not the human spirit, the other spirit that was upon him. Because if this is true for him, this is true for everybody. Every human being, if he has come from a previous birth, should be able to remember something about the earlier birth. So it is a lie. It is a lie. It is a lie. So you have to look at various religions to see what is the way out. Way out. Imagination. The imagination about hell and the imagination of heaven. Eyes haven't seen or ears heard. And he talks about Revelation 21 and 22 is a picture. And you try to imagine. I mean, everybody says, what kind of a city is it? It's a square or a rectangle or a cube. What is it? I think it's a triangle. Or is it a cube? Triangle. I mean, 1,500 miles wide and God says, just imagine. When you reach that, it will defy your imagination. But imagine, this river flowing, is it a river or is it a street? Is it a street or a river? Both seem to be going together. How is it possible? And there is no bridge. God says, imagine. 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 Now I tell you the other side about it. There is hell, there is heaven. Okay? He says, imagine about hell, imagine about heaven. And then there is a person. The person is God. Jesus said, I came to show you the Father. And the crowds were around him. The sinners gathered around him because he was a tough man, firm in the truth, but the most loving, kind, compassionate person. So sinners liked being around him. He says, I am. Show us the Father. He says, if you have seen me, I have seen the Father. Revelation 21 talks about the Father, the loving, this thing. Now you tell me any religion, where it tells you about the personality of their God, which people hunger for. Nowhere. I've sat with all of them. Buddhists, when you die, do you long to walk with Buddha? No. There's no personality there. We are thinking about moving into the unconscious. Hindu brother, when you die, are you talking about 
doing Tandava with Shiva. No, I don't even think. Actually, when I see him in my visions, it's scary. It's always scared. Muslim brother. I had very good Muslim, Kalisha Mastan. I still remember my best friend in Hyderabad. <laughs> he was from Kadapa. I used to call him Haji Mastan. He said, James, you make me feel good. I haven't gone for Haji yet. I used to call him Haji Mastan. The question you ask them is that, when you think as a Muslim of dying, do you think about walking with Muhammad or fellowshipping with Allah? No. Your idea is those 70 virgins and all, but that's a misrepresentation. So you see, there is nothing in their imagination connected with personality. Nothing. Nothing. And all these people in this circle, let me tell you, what is your imagination? You see demons in your rituals, right? What do you do? They love you. They love you. Then why are you so tormented? That is the difference. The difference here is, in our imagination, God says, you know what? You can imagine. You, I will defy your imagination when you really meet me. I've given you a foretaste of it. My spirit in you. My spirit in you. So there is a place and there is a person. The devil deceives you because he hides his personality. Hides his person. He comes as an angel of light. He pretends. But he never really fellowships with you. He can come like light, but when he reveals to you, he's a fearsome, nasty, miserable creature. This personality of Jesus Christ, he cannot imitate. He cannot imitate. So you need to understand the devil is after our mind. Devil is after our mind. How does he come out from mind? First with imaginations. And then he starts occupying our thoughts. And after he occupies our thoughts, he takes off our imagination. So is God. <laughs> Both of them cannot do anything with us without our mind. Difference between God and the enemy is this. If the enemy cannot use your mind, he would rather disable your mind. He drives you insane. God never does. God never. If he cannot use your mind, he will drive you insane. You lose your mind. God finds your mind. He makes you lose your mind. That's the nature. Okay? Understand about the mind. This is how it happens. Let me tell about... Simple example. It's very true. Think about... uh, you are a one-year-old child. You have a one-year-old child. And the child needs surgery. Child needs surgery. Okay? It's a serious surgery. Let us say open, whatever, heart surgery. You know the panic the parents go through? And the child goes, goes through nothing. Who's going through the surgery? The child. But who's going through the panic? And the pain and the grief and the worry? The parents. You know why? The child does not have the capacity to imagine what he is going to go through. It's not even so much worried about the pain. The only pain it is worried about that prick. But beyond that, it doesn't, it cannot imagine. Like I went through the surgery. Actually the surgery was better than the imagination before it. The imagination part is, but if you handle the imagination part, the surgery is okay. I handle the imagination part. First time it was bad. I had two surgeries in my life. First time it was bad because I had never gone through a surgery. Second time it was easy because I handled it in my mind. Handled it in my mind. So it was easy. It wasn't, it wasn't bothered. 
I'm not talking about the physical pain, the recovery part of it. That's a different thing. That will go away in a little time. That will go away in a little time. The issue is with the mind. So you look at a child who is going through surgery, an older person who is going through surgery, it is worse. I always tell this example. Take about a normal lady, a normal lady who is in the world, going through labor pains or pregnancy, and a gynec who is going through pregnancy. Who is the worst patient? The gynec. Because she knows every complication in the world. And she's imagining. Oh, will it be like that? 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 Because she knows it all. The other one, ignorance is bliss. She doesn't know. She doesn't know. So you need to realize it is the mind. I'm not saying knowledge is bad. Knowledge is good. The knowledge of God is better. But it is the mind. It is the mind. That's why Isaiah 26 and verse 3 says this. I'll have to stop sooner or later because I could speak on this till the end of the night. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on. Meaning, if you control your thought life, you have peace. That's why you have to enter into the prayer closet, not to pray, but to encounter God. People go to pray, like vomiting, they put everything over there and get out without hearing from Him. If you hear one word from Him, you have at peace. I got it. I got it. That's okay. He's got it. If He's got it, why should I worry? You got it, why should you worry? And that's what God is saying. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. So you have to handle your imagination. You have to handle your thoughts and to see that the strongholds that are established in your mind are strongholds of God. The watchtowers of God. Not strongholds of the enemy. Strongholds of God are established. That's a stronghold. He's got a very powerful stronghold established. And when he's brought to Babylon, probably given a shower and brought to the king's palace, handpicked, and when the dining table is put over there, he's got a stronghold established in righteousness. What is that? I will not defile myself with stronghold. The others did not have. You need to realize, the rest of the princes of Judah, who came there, other than the four, did not fall at the Babylonian table. They had already fallen in their mind. Already fallen in their mind. So there was no stronghold established to resist this. So when this came, they just fell. But Daniel had a stronghold established over there. Stronghold established over there. That's how it works. Now let me talk to you, because today also I had a letter. Sad letter. I get keep getting these letters. Some some child, okay, talking about the abuse this child has gone through. Okay, you keep an eye on uh, uh, eye on. No, okay, I have been used and abused over and over again. Can I just ask God to take my life like Job did? It's only so much you can take. I am not God. I am just a broken vessel. Almost every. It's working. Okay, every, every day practically I get a mail like this. Okay. Now let me come to that part. Okay. There is abuse of the body, which is real. It's real. And there is the abuse of the mind. Or where the abuse gets into your mind. It's only abuse of your mind. Okay. It's only abuse of your mind. You see, the devil cannot abuse your mind. You allow him to abuse your mind. 
you can abuse your mind. Can abuse your mind. The devil can abuse your body using other people. But only you can abuse your mind. That's why Jesus used to ask, how long has he been like this? How long has he been sitting like this? Meaning, has it got into your mind? Once it gets into your mind, the problem is, it becomes a stronghold. Now what happens is that you see life through those eyes. That's the problem. The abuse that happened to your body is sin. Absolutely, totally unacceptable. It is sin. It was violence done to your body. But the issue is not that. The issue is when it gets into your mind. Once it gets into your mind, you see yourself as a victim. As a victim. Let me tell you the truth. 150 years ago, 200 years ago, 300 years ago, the African Americans in America who were slaves cope with slavery better than their children today. Today they are not slaves, they are free. But it's in their mind, we are victims, we are victims, we are victims, victims. Their forefathers wrote incredible spiritual songs, they worship, we have an incredible heritage of songs that came through their chains, like Israel sang. I'm not saying that they did, many of them did not struggle and they were abused, beaten, lynched and all. I'm talking about their forefathers tackled it better because they tackled it in their mind. These kids have strongholds in their minds from the enemy when they are actually free. They're actually free. And they come up with woke ideas. Like yesterday, a professor from some university in the US is saying, every black person should be given two votes. Instead of white man, one vote, black people, two votes. I mean, what kind of a what kind of woke ideas comes out? Woke. This is not, the whole nation is going woke. And how is it going? It's because you are giving a very, very woke idea of what righteousness is. You know what? It comes, it's got into your mind. You are a victim. It's a victim mentality. It's a victim mentality. That's when it gets into your mind. Once it gets into your mind is when it is dangerous, not in the body. Think about anything. Okay, I had surgery. Do I feel the pain? No. The pain is gone. I'm not talking about now. Anything? No. Absolutely nothing. Does it take um, space in my mind? No. Okay? So, a physical pain, even if it is, let us say, one of the worst to ask for a woman, rape. It's gone. I mean, Unless she was ripped apart like some of the terrible cases we had and they die because of the wounds and the bleeding and all. But the problem is not with the, I'm, I'm not, let me be correct about my words. The rape was bad. But the trauma that the victim goes through is worse. It's a trauma. The trauma is not in the body. The trauma is not in the body. The trauma is in the mind. Trauma is in the mind. That's what we need to realize. The issue is with the mind. So we have to tackle this in the mind. So you have a choice. How are you going to deal with this? Are you going to be a victim? Or are you going to come to Christ? Be healed? Be made whole? And walk as a victor? That's the thing. Now only Christ can do that. Religion can't do that. Religion will say, you are an outcast. You are defiled. You know, 
That's what the law does. You may be the king's daughter. A many colored dress she took and after that she's going. Who's that? Tamar. That's what the law does. Not Tamar. Uh, her name is also Tamar. Yeah, also Tamar. And the other Tamar? She has to have illicit sex with her father and has to dress like a prostitute. What does that mean? You are the one who has uses your body as a profession. So you have a particular law has covered you with a particular costume. This is what the law does. Law doesn't heal you. Law only condemns you. It gives you a label. Gives you a label. Religion has no power to handle trauma. What does the religion do? What do the psychiatrists do? Nothing. I mean, if I was a psychiatrist or a counselor, secular counselor, I would be a billionaire by now. For the counseling I do free. You know? What does he do? Nothing. And finally when you didn't cop off, they give you antidepressants. And you are a zombie. Basically. Who is the one who sets you free? It's Christ who sets you free. Christ who sets you free. But if you have to Come to Christ. That is the difficult part. You have to go through a process. The process is in your mind. You have a choice. Which I always tell you, have a choice. You want to be a victim? Or you want to be a victim? I want to be a victim. You want to be a victim? Yeah. I'm going to tell you some difficult things to become a victim. Victors go through a battle. Every victor has fought a battle and has become victorious. That's why it's called a victim. In your battle, you have to fight yourself and win. What do I have to do? Forgive your abuser. Yes. But how can I? Because he forgave you. That's where it starts. It doesn't start with me and you. It starts with him. Everything starts. If he's the author of the faith, I'm not the author of faith. He's the author of faith. Why can I forgive? Because he forgave me. Maybe what I did is not like what happened to you, but I'm still a sinner, and all sin is the same. Wages of certain sins is death. God did not say. He said the wages of sin is death. Wages of sin is death. So that's where it begins. Your thought, you're suddenly hit by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God does not hit you with what others sinned against you. He hits you with what you did against God. So they were cut to the heart and they said, what should we do? It's not coming to you, the Spirit of God saying, I know what has been done to you. Let me tell you what can be done for you. Know? Salvation is first recognizing all have sinned. And among them, I was one. And there is no quantum. I sin less, he sin more. All have sinned. And the wages of sin is death. That's the difficult part. But that is the recovery part. The first step to recovery. Will you forgive? God loves you. He can bring you out. But, will you forgive? Your abuse. You don't have to give names, labels. Doesn't matter. No, I, no, just, just forgive. It's an act of, I don't feel, you don't have to feel. God doesn't say you have to feel, no. It will take a long time for the feelings to change, maybe, depending upon how God deals with you. But it's your will, act of will. Can you open your mouth and say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, in the strength that God gives me, I choose to forgive that person. 
That is the first step. Can you forgive? Well, you can talk all this only to Christians. I'm not talking about non-Christians. First, you have to bring a person to Christ. <laughs> the person to Christ. Psychiatrists can't do that. Psychologists can't do that. He can only look at you as a victim because he makes his money out of your victimhood. Please come and lie in my couch and I will sit to dim the lights, put soft music, talk. Talk as much as you want. You talk and you talk and you talk and you feel good and you go. But once you reach home, the problem hasn't gone. So you have, Doctor, can I can meet you? I'm busy this week. Next Monday, 9 o'clock. Come again. Talk, 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 talk. But Doctor, I'm not able to sleep well. Okay, take this little medicine and sleep. That's what happens. That's why it's called a shrink. He shrinks your mind. Well, God expands your mind. He shrinks your mind. Is he really giving you a solution? No. No. You want a solution to a problem? You need to come to Christ. And when you come to Christ, he will first deal with who you are. And he says, I'm not condemning you. I'm not condemning you at all. But if you do not accept or acknowledge your sin, how can I save you? I'm a savior. First, I am a savior. I'm not talking about lordship straight away. I'm talking about, help me to save you. The simple thing is, Dr. Richard is sitting over here. Peter is there, Sammy is there, Vijay is there, I am there, Ma is here. How many? Four of us. Three, four, five of us are here. Are we, anybody talking to Dr. Richard as a doctor? No. No, because we are not sick. But the minute we be sick, suddenly he's a doctor. The minute we have a sickness, so, if you do not acknowledge you are sick, why do you need a doctor? If you don't acknowledge you are a sinner, why do you need a savior? That's where it begins. That is where our problem comes. So, the gospel is first bad news. All have sinned. After that comes the good news. But God has put everybody's sin on his son. And anyone who believes in him is walks free from condemnation. But that first step, I am not a sinner. I was sinned against God. Said, I accept that. I accept that. I accept that. You were sinned against. I accept that. I am not talking about that. It's stage two. Let's look at stage one. Have you sinned? Yeah, I have sinned. Let's deal with that first. Then we will deal with two. Let's deal with one first. Once you have dealt with one, it's easier or easier, possible to deal with two. So you have a choice. You have a choice. Yes, you were abused. You were abused. But when you came to Christ, He forgave you. Not only forgave you, He cleaned you up. He gave you His righteousness. He gave you His life. He gave you His authority. Now you can choose what the devil tells your mind. So you can choose what God tells about you. That's what God told Peter. What God calls clean, do not call unclean. You know who calls unclean? You call yourself unclean. You call yourself an abuse victim. You call yourself a victim. God says, I don't call you that. I said I cleaned you up. I cleaned you up. I told you I fixed you up. I told you, any man who is in Christ Jesus is a new creation. All things are past. I am telling you, it's old. No, it's not past. I said it is because you are renting space in your mind. You are renting space. I took it out. You are functioning with the old mind. Old mind. And because you are functioning with the old mind, you are walking in the old ways. 
It has to be handled in the mind. And it is true. It is true. And God says, that's what I do. That's what I do with everyone who comes to me. Everyone. From the time of Adam and Eve, everyone has come from a broken family. It's a dysfunctional family. From a dysfunctional family, God is saving men, women and children, putting them into a functional family with a father, that is God, with the Holy Spirit, which is more like a mother, and the elder brother called Jesus. He's putting into functional families. This is my job for the past 2,000 years. From dysfunctional family, functional. Dysfunctional, functional is what I'm doing. And that's why the Bible says the whole family in heaven and earth takes its name from God, the Father. The dysfunctional, to functional. If you turn with me, Luke chapter 15, verse 22 to 24. Remember, this is the most well-known parable of Jesus Christ, the story of the prodigal son. The son comes back, you know. The father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatter, let's say, for India, mutton. Okay, we are not allowed to eat. Okay, we can say beef. Hyderabad, it's okay. Fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For my son was dead. He is alive. My son was dead. In whose eyes? What? In his father's eyes, he never died. In the eyes of the world, he died. You're worthless. In whose eyes? Your eyes. You were finished. Whose eyes? Your eyes. Not for me. You were never finished. You were never dead. You were never worthless. You said that to yourself. You declared over your life. I didn't. I always saw you alive. I always saw your worth. I always saw you as something to be redeemed. You the devil, you believed what the devil told you. You are dead. You're worthless. You're useless. You're white trash. You're black trash. You're brown trash. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. You said it to yourself. But it was not even your thoughts. It was the thoughts of the devil. It was the voices of the world. You were dead. But you were not dead. You were alive. You thought you were lost. Who told you were lost? You told you. Yourself, you are lost. You listen to all the voices and say, oh, he's that fellow, he's lost. I never said you're lost. I never left your presence. I was there. I was there. You are lost to yourself. You are lost to the world. You are not lost to me. If you are lost to me, you will never be found. You are never lost. You are never lost. You are never lost. That's what you're saying. It's a world that says you are dead. Dead means good for nothing. What do you do with dead things? Throw them into the refuse. That's what they call people. US, US has these terms. White trash, black trash, brown trash, 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 trash. And what do you do with trash? What do you cracker? They have all these names. What do you do with trash? When you are good for nothing. Even trash is recycled. You can't be even recycled. That's what they mean. You're this. God says, what do you mean? God says, who told you this? Do you remember that is the second question he asked? Adam, Adam, where are you? And I was afraid I was naked. He said, who told you? Who told you were naked? Who told you? Did I tell you? Who told you this? Who told you this? First Peter chapter 1, 17 and 18. 
First Peter chapter 1, 17 and 18. If you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one. Okay, verse 18. Knowing that you were not redeemed, 18 and 19, okay, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. What is God saying? God says you are not redeemed with gold and silver, but gold and silver is the most valuable in this world. Everything is measured in gold. He says you are not redeemed with redeemed with gold or silver. You are redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, God's Son. What is he saying? The market value of something is not decided by the seller. It is decided by the buyer. Decided by the buyer. It's not decided by the seller. If there are no buyers, the seller will bring down the price. If he knows there are buyers, he raises the price. It is seller who decides the price. Why the price of petroleum crashed? Because there were no buyers. Except in India. Everywhere else it's crashing. Because when the pandemic came and the lockdown came, there was surplus, glut of oil in there. And nothing was running. So what happened? The price of crude crashed. Why? And we thought OPEC fixes prices. God says, no, the buyers does. There are no buyers. What are they going to do with their product? What are they doing with the product? So the buyer decides on the price, not the seller. God says, do you know the devil sells you cheap? Do you know what I paid to buy you? All the gold in the world would not have redeemed a soul. All the silver in this world, which are mine. He says the gold and the silver are mine. I could have brought gold and silver from a few other planets, a few galaxies if you wanted, but you couldn't have redeemed you. So I had to redeem you with the most precious thing in the universe. That was the life of my son. So a value of something is decided by how much you're willing to pay for it. He says, do you know the value of your soul? Who told you you are dead? Who told you you are worthless? Who told you you are trash? Do you know what your father in heaven was willing to pay to redeem you from the clutches of the slave trader that is the devil? He says, who told you? This is where it has to fix in your mind. I have worth. I am not rash. You know why? Because God paid for me. That's what salvation is. Salvation is free for us because God paid for us. It's not free for him. It was free for us. But when we know what he paid for it, our mind changes. You know what? I have worth. Not that I am better than anybody else. He paid it for everybody. You know what? Suddenly I have worth. You have worth. You know what? We are all diamonds sitting in that velvet box in a jeweler shop. We all have worth. We have all worth. You know why? Because we are all paid for in blood. The blood of God's own son. The life of God's own son. That is what it talks about the mind. Romans 12, verse 1, and verse 2. Verse 2. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy, acceptable God, which is a reasonable service. Do not conform, do not be conformed to this world. Why? 
Because the world values people differently. Rich man, remember James we saw last time? Do not show partiality. Because when you look at a rich man, you are valuing him by his riches, not by what was paid for him. And when you look at a poor man, you look at his clothes, and you value him differently because you look at outwardly without realizing both were paid the same price. Both were paid the same price. How, how do you show difference? Because the value of both is the same. Paid by, by blood, paid by blood. So do not conform to the pattern of the world because the world value system is completely different. Complexion, hair, looks, teeth, clothes, money, car, Things. That's why God says don't love the world or the things of the world because you will devalue people. You will devalue people. We like to be with people to whom we attach value. The problem we like with certain people and do not like certain people is because we have brought the values of the world in and judged them that way. God says, who told you? And Jesus never judged anybody. You know what? Sinners flocked around them because you looked at them and he said, you all got value. The Father loves you all. My father sent me to seek you and to save you. You have value, incredible value. If somebody does not have incredible value, somebody in the eyes of the world has married five times, is divorced five times, living with the sixth one, who will go to redeem her? God says, I will. I see value. The world says dead. The world says Samaritan trash. God says, my child shall receive my son's free gift of salvation. This is where our problem comes. We do not conform to the pattern. We conform to the pattern of the world. That's why we spend so much money on things. Ask this question. Why do we spend so much money on things? How many things does a man need? How many things does a man need? Why do you spend so much things? You know why? Because we are conform. Because we think these things will add to our value. And we ultimately do not value things which will add to our value. God says, pursue these things. Pursue righteousness, pursue peace, pursue holiness. You know what? You're adding to your value. In the spiritual realm, you're adding to your value. You already have value as a child of God. Now you add to these things, to faith, add these, 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 these things. No, you're adding to your value in heaven. Meaning usefulness. Not that your inherent value diminishes. No, or increases. Inherent value, all are God's children. Usefulness differed. So try to be useful for the Father. He saved you, right? He gave his son's life for you, right? Now when on that day, you want to stand there and the Father has to say, Sabash Bete, take charge of 10 years, you'll say, yay, I can serve my Father even more. That's your way of paying back. Paying back. Your act of gratitude. That's why always Bible says giving thanks. How do you give thanks? You know, it's an act of saying thank you. Act of saying thank you. How do you do that? You do something for him. And God says, offer you as a living sacrifice now and forever. But you want to offer yourself something, add value. We always tell, add value. What are you doing? Eight days of, eight months of pandemic, everything is closed. Did you add anything to your resume? What are you wasting your time? There's so many courses in Oxford and Harvard and we're offering free courses. Why didn't you learn one skill? You see, Abel learned one skill and he got a job. One skill. Suddenly a job opened for him. You know, I tell people, how much time do you waste? If you learn to add skills during this time, you add to your value. In what? Not your inherent righteousness. It's the righteousness of God. But in usefulness. And that's what God is talking about. Your mind has to be transformed. If your mind is not transformed, you will think 
and look at yourself in the eyes of the world. Either you will look at yourself, I am trash or I am better than somebody. Both are wrong. Both are wrong. Either you will become, you have inferiority complex or you will be proud. And both are wrong. Because it means nothing to God. He did not save because you were a trash. He did not save you because you are good. Because your righteousness also is like filthy rags before me. So here is a, here is what the world calls a trash and here is what the world calls a righteous man. God says both trash. And I saved you both. This one had no righteousness. So the world call it trash. This one had righteousness. I call his righteousness trash. But I love both. You see, suddenly our eyes change. The way we look at people change. People change. And that's what God is talking about. And that's what God is talking here. He says, you know what? Offer your bodies as a living son. Where did the abuse take place? In the mind. In the body, right? The body, and the body. then it got into your mind. Your body was abused. You were used and used and shuttled around. You know, you meet people like that. It's horrible, their stories. It happened to your body. Don't let it enter in your mind. Don't let it. So what do you need to do with my body? Offer it to God. I know it's very difficult to offer it to bodies as a living sacrifice, especially those people who came from this circle, because these are terms that you use. You are the altar. The masters are the ones who offer you as a sacrifice. So it's all triggering. The fact of the matter, God is not your master. He's your father. And he loves you. When he says, offer your body as a living sacrifice, he's saying, you know what, Matthew, the next one, you know what happens when it happens? Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? He says it's not the gift. The gift is irrelevant. Once the gift comes onto the altar, it becomes holy. He says when you offer your body as a living sacrifice to me, the body that was abused becomes holy. It's no longer an abused body. It's a holy body. See yourself different. See your body differently. That's where deliverance comes. This is the war we have to first win in our mind. It's your mind. So you don't have to look at your body and say, I'm growing old, wrinkles. No. You know what? My body, it's holy. It's holy. It's Wrinkles don't matter. Gray hair doesn't matter. Bulges don't matter. You need to work on your bulges. That's a different thing. Okay. All these things, other way, not in the, you don't look at your body the way the world looks at. You look at your body the way God looks at. I gave it to the Lord as a sacrifice and he says the altar has sanctified. You know what my body is? It's holy. It may be a little thin or a little overweight. It may be limping on one side, but it's holy. It is holy. It is holy. And that's how you look at it. That's what sets you free. That's what you sets you free. Otherwise, we will see in the eyes of the world. Eyes of the world. No, eyes of the world. Okay. That's what God is talking about. Because the world value system is completely, completely, completely different. But if you are transformed in your mind and see how God sees you, you know what he says? He says you are valued beyond your imagination. Valued beyond your imagination. Do you know how you are clothed? With the very righteousness of God. That's a seamless garment of Christ Jesus. Look at that. It's the most beautiful portion. But now, the righteousness of God, apart from the law, 
is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and all who believe. For there is no difference. There's no difference. We'll not get into the other verses, but he says, what have we given closed with? What have we closed with? With his own? Now go back to Luke chapter 15 and verse 22 and 23. Bring the, but the father said to his servants, bring out? Let me ask you this question. Son is already packed up and gone many years ago. So whose robe is this? Father's robe. It's not the son's robe. Father's robe. The question is, how does the father's robe fit the son? Because when it comes to righteousness, one size fits all. There's no two size. There's no two. It's only one size. It's the righteousness of God. That's what I said. This is the righteousness of God. It is the faith of God. It is the righteousness of God. It is the spirit of God. One size fits all. The rich man and the poor man are dressed in the same garment of righteousness. So, James, Pastor James is writing. Why are you showing past partiality? You're looking at the outer. You're not looking at the inward. What happened to your spiritual eyes? If you spiritual eyes were open, you would see both are clothed the same. You looked at his garments, outside garments. You did not look at the inward garment. You're blinded. Where did this come in? Your mind is the mind of the world. We honor people who have to give honor. That's a different thing. If our church the CM comes on, of course we'll give him a special seat in the front. Because you're honoring his position. We're not honoring his wealth. That's a different thing. Position is something. Position is something which you are called to honor. Okay? We are called to honor position. But we are not talking about other things here. So God is talking about, look at his says. And then, what did he say? Put a ring on his finger. What is he saying? As many as who received him, he gave them the authority. Put a ring on his finger. He went as a son. He's not coming back as a servant. And I created Adam. Adam was my son. You remember the genealogy? Adam, the son of God. If he fell as a son, he'll be redeemed as a son, not as a servant. Not as a servant. When he fell, fell as a son. Adam fell as a son. When he's redeemed, he's not redeemed as a servant. He's redeemed as a son. As many as received him, he gave him the authority. So what did God say? Put a ring on his Ring on his hand. And that's what scripture says. Galatians 4.1. John 1.12. What does it say? Right? Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not matter at all from a slave, though he is master of it all. Now take that slave part of that and says, if you are a son, you are an heir. If you are an heir, it belongs to you. Honestly, I'm telling you, even the non-overcoming saints in heaven can walk on earth and say, it belongs to my dad. Belongs to my dad. Which is true. It belongs to my dad. Who's this earth? It's my dad's. I may own nothing in Hyderabad. Not even a plot. But you know what? I don't have to own anything in Hyderabad. The whole earth is my father's. By the way, it's your father's also. 
So we don't fight over the earth. It belongs to our father. <laughs> um, this is spiritual reality thinking that changes your mind. We have authority. You're clothed. You're valued beyond imagination because of the price paid. You have clothed in the righteousness of God in the seamless garment of Christ. Third, you have authority. You are a child. Four, there is joy. What do you say? Bring the fatted calf here. Kill it. Let us eat and be merry. Song of Solomon 2.4. Song of Solomon 2.4. He brought me to the banqueting house and his banner over me was love. Okay. That's why it's called the wedding feast of the Lamb. Okay. Whether you're part of the bride or the guest, meaning you did not make it to be the bride, it will be gala time. So it doesn't matter how much you fast now, you will eat then. <laughs> Zephaniah 3.17, remember I told you, going up the incline in the Himalayas, one pastor driving me, sitting in the front front seat, and when we see a pickup truck with this, not words, just Zephaniah 3.17, and we are both thinking, looking at each other. We know that, we know that, we know that, we know that, we know that. I am not able to get it, so I have to open my app and look. The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save you. He will rejoice over you with gladness. Some people rejoice with just grimace. With gladness, his joy is unbounded. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice you over without singing. How many times has that term come? Joy, gladness, joy. With singing. Huh? With singing. Is that how we put our children to sleep? Oh, how much we struggle. Because we loved, we wanted them to sleep and we didn't want them to sleep. Honestly with me, wanted them to sleep and didn't want them. If you sleep, I miss seeing the twinkling in your eye. Eyes are closed. But I am tired. Go to sleep. And then he looks up. Okay, I'm happy. He looks up. Okay, I'm tired. I am happy. I am tired. Oh, how much we loved our babies. We did hours together sometimes to put. Whether it was my own children or Madhulika. But you loved them. Right? That's what he says. He will rejoice over you with singing. This, this is the mind you have to think. Don't look at your past. It's over. In Christ it's over. It's done deal. Think differently in your mind. So First Peter 4.1 and I think I'll close there. Oh, it's 11.40 already. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself also with the same mind. What is the same mind you're talking about? He refused to entertain any idea of the devil. It's difficult in his flesh. Because in the flesh people are saying, oh, your birth is illegitimate. No, my father, I know who my father is. Oh, you're a bind ringer. <laughs> you must be kidding me. I don't drink. Oh, you're a glutton. You know, I fast. And I eat when I need to. Oh, you are the Lord of Beelzebub. You must be kidding me. I came to destroy Beelzebub. He armed himself with that mind. So the first line of defense the devil could not Preach. Aren't you the son of God? Yes, I am. But I mean making any bread out of stones. For it is written. It is written. You see, he won here. Therefore, he won outside. Arm yourself with that mind. If you lose in your mind, you lose outside. You lose outside. If you win in your mind, you win outside. And that's what the Bible is talking about. Here, 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 here. You have to win here. Here. If you don't win here, this is the battle. 
Meaning, much of our prayer life also is ineffective because we have lost the battle here. So we are praying like victims. Praying like victims. Now what did you do today that I don't know? Because as far as I know, our plate is clean on both sides. You are clean with me, I am clean with you. So what's your problem? Why didn't you start some doing some work instead of wasting crying over this? No? I'm telling you, I'm not saying our repentance shouldn't be deep and all that, but that is a process. After that you learn how to repent and move on. Because sometimes what happens is we are putting so much faith in our repentance than in God's grace and mercy. God's grace and mercy. Oh, I haven't cried enough today. I haven't wailed enough today. And then we, it becomes drama. <laughs> okay. God says no. God says no. It's paid. It's paid for. You do not, but you, you learn to value grace. I'm not saying you devalue grace, but you learn to value grace and you learn to use grace to overcome. You overcome. No? It's a completely different mindset. It's a completely different mind, uh, mindset, not sight, mindset. It's a completely different. Then Bible is saying, arm yourself with that same mind. Arm yourself with that same mind. You know why he says? There's so much work to do. So much work to do. If you win here, you win outside. You win in everything else outside. Your prayer life changes. Your faith life changes. Your word life changes. Your life changes. Everything changes. You know why? Because you have learned to think as God thinks. As a man thinketh? As God thinketh? So is he. As God thinketh? So is he. As a man thinketh? So is he. And God says, meditate upon my word day and night. Learn to think like me. And also have my attitude. That's the spirit. You can think exactly like God and have a stinking attitude. Therefore God says, have this attitude. Actually, Philippians 2, 5 will, in some translation is attitude. The uh, That's why we have, you could be absolutely gung-ho about the word. You think like the word, you act like the word, you talk like the word, and you grieve the Holy Spirit. That's why be sensitive to the Holy Spirit because your attitude upsets him. Okay. Okay. No, it's amplified version will give you two fire. Some NIV has no, you are looking at Peter. <laughs> huh? You are looking at Philippians two five. You are in Peter. Yeah. Okay, it's okay. Okay. Are you getting it? That's where the Holy Spirit comes. Holy Spirit comes. Because he will check your attitude. The word the word of God will correct your thinking. The Spirit of God will check your attitude. No, no, you're going completely. This is Philippians 2 5. Okay, okay. I'm, yeah, okay. Attitude, okay. I was talking about the, have the attitude of Christ. Okay, not our this thing. If you're new, we have to have a um, parallel or you need to have a, what you call it, which, whose attitude? I want to be made new, okay? Being like-minded, okay, that's an idea, amplify your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, okay, that's the key, do you get these two together, and God says, you know what, you can defeat the devil every time, he can take you in triumph, your thinking, your attitude, 
comes together. That's where the word comes. The word corrects your thinking. The spirit corrects your attitude. The spirit uses the word to correct your thinking. He doesn't correct your thinking outside of the word. He uses the word to correct your thinking. But he corrects your attitude. He corrects your attitude. Corrects your attitude. Okay, you put this together, and then we realize what we are rising up and building. Otherwise, it's just a verse. Rise up and build what? Rise up and build what? He says your lives. And your life is primarily at the end of the day the sum total of your thoughts. That's your life. That's where it begins. Life begins in the mind. It begins in the mind. Okay. So this morning, let's pray. Father, we just come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We just thank you, Lord. We just thank you. We are on this journey, Lord. We are on this journey. But we know time should not be wasted and need not be wasted. Because you have given us your spirit. You have given us your word. You give us the life of your son. And you have given us the church. That's all we need. All we need to finish our race like your son. And the promise which defies imagination is this. If you overcome, as I overcame and sat with my father on his throne, you will also sit with me on my throne and reign with me. It defies imagination. But that's what you have put into our minds. It's a think. Think big. Walk like kings. Walk like queens. Walk like prince and princess on earth. Not in the worldly way, but in the heavenly way. Because what do kings do? They extend mercy. Extend mercy every day. That's the privilege of only kings. And what do they do? They extend grace. Be a blessing. Only kings can be a blessing. A beggar can't be a blessing. Kings bless beggars. Beggars don't beg kings. Bless kings. So walk in that authority as a child of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a prince. I'm a princess. I will extend mercy and I will extend blessings. I will bless people. Lord, make me a blessing because I am your child. Extend mercy, extend blessings and walk in that authority and you can defeat the devil every day of your life. That's the gospel. That's a full gospel. That is the gospel. And that's what it says. If any man is in Christ Jesus and is an heir of Abraham, what was Abrahamic promise? Bless to be a blessing. I'll make your name great. But even Abraham's name is not greater than our name. Abraham's name is only exalted father, father of nations. Our name is son of the father of creation, daughter of the father of creation. Even Abraham doesn't have a name like ours. That is the blessing. So Father, we just want to thank you. And I pray everyone who is hearing today, oh Father, will believe and walk in that, in that newness of that mind. They will arm themselves with that mind. I am no longer a victim. I am a victor. If Christ says I am a victor, that is who I am. I cannot be defeated because Christ cannot be defeated. I am valued beyond imagination because the price that was paid for me could have been paid only by one person in the universe that was the God of this universe. Nobody could have paid the price. Not even the greatest archangel could have Paid that price. That price was possible to be paid by one person alone. It was God. And he paid it with only one thing that was possible. With the life of his son. I know. I know. 
I am valued in heaven. And that's enough. That's enough for me. And he brings me to his banqueting table. And the banner over me is love. He has loved me with an everlasting love. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's why your word says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Nothing, absolutely nothing on earth or in heaven, created or uncreated, can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We praise you, we worship you, we glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.